We Go In and Presents episode 90, coming back with a friend of the program, Ito. Ito, this is like our third or fourth interview on the podcast, man. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you, man. You know, I got you back all the time. Man, I appreciate that. And, you know, you've been up to a lot of major things since we last talked, so so major props on that. You know, one of your, your more recent projects, the new New York mixtape you put out with DJ Doo-Wop, um, just a really incredible concept and, and love the way you put that together, the limited release. You know, what inspired that and, and how has New New York done for you so far? Man, uh, it's it, it sort of not hard to believe, but it was, it was uh, man, this is DJ Dua, you know? So my brother Jay, it's not, not only my management, man, he's, he's guiding this is me on everything connected that dot. Um, shout out to Carlos, Plastic Material, NY. Um, I wasn't even expecting that, man. It just happened. And now here we are. You know, he's home-based DJ now. He'll be in attendance all my shows, all my gigs, and it's, it's getting better and better. Fucking DJ do I think that's some legendary shit. I remember... Uh, 1995 is when I first caught wind of him. He had a tape called Live 95. And my brother um, from Jersey brought it down. And yeah, here we are. Um, people are catching on. We, the way it was released online was a little weird because he, he had instrumentals on there that didn't belong to us, so we couldn't, you know, put them on the platform. So it's still catching wind, but the true supporters, they know. They, 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 they got it. And and I love that you picked DJ Duop too to do this project with because he's someone who is you know truly one of the mixtape pioneers, but you know come kind of that digital age didn't really get the props that he deserved, and so it, it I, th- I think it's great that that you went with him, but it also shows too how you're just like a true student of the game there. Yes, definitely, man. Uh, especially like you said in this digital world, now I know the importance of just owning. You know, um, protecting your shit as well. Motherfuckers can't wait to take legal action. But, I mean, I understand, too, these beats that we picked that I picked were also from that era. So the whole point of the mixtape was to just reinforce that sound, reinstall that sound. And we had no mixes on the tracks. I wanted it to sound as rugged as possible. But like you said, you know, this digital age, man, I learned a few things and not much we could do, you know, but somehow next round we'll do it with all our production, keep it in-house, and we can really benefit and make it work this next time. But the art of the freestyle over, you know, previously released beats, I mean, that's just like a classic staple of mixtapes. I mean, like, I feel like you almost have to do that, even if it means it's not going to end up on, a, a, you know, Spotify or other digital services. I feel like it's still just like a cl- classic staple of a mixtape. Definitely, definitely. And my thing was not to sell it anyway. But when people, you know, we have these people that are requesting vinyls, cassettes, and CDs. We got collectors and diehard fans. We do it for them. But we don't care if we don't sell them or not. As long as we take care of the ones who request it, that's what we're in it for. And what'd you learn about mixtapes working with doo and just seeing like a true pioneer of the game, you know, behind the scenes, you know, putting it together. 
Because um, I mean, I know you grew up on mixtapes. You put out mixtapes, so you're, you're no stranger to the mixtape game either. But working with a guy like Duop, you know, what do you learn there? Um, that you got to be on your ball game. You cannot mess around. Fulfill all requests and proposals on time. It's not, you know, as soon as possible because these guys, you don't want to let them down. You know, the only thing I learned is uh, these guys are serious. <laughs> and, you know, you got to put your work in, man, you know. That's the only thing I learned is um, relevancy rather than consistency. I choose relevancy. These kids think consistency is just constantly doing it, and that's not it. You have to be, um, balance is key. Relevancy, you know, gets monotonous to these guys, you know what I mean? And what do you think that key is to maintaining that relevance, especially in an age where there's so much coming out every Friday and fans have to kind of sift through so much, you know, how, how do you maintain that relevance? Um, staying in attendance, um, you know, like I say, I'd rather be, I'd rather be a little late and be the first one at the party, you know, but <clears throat> just staying in attendance and not worried about what others are doing, you know, don't force it. You know, it, like I tell my, my mom about my kids, you know, hey, they sleep when they're tired, eat when they're hungry. You know, that's pretty much it. The only way to maintain it is to just stay stay in attendance. No doubt, but man. these guys, you know, they want to stay after school. They want to they want to do all types of extra stuff, you know. It's monotonous. Right. Yeah. You know, in, in that first interlude, too, on New New York, you talk about, you know, uh, or address that idea that Rochester, you know, being seen as an off-brand, you know, New York City. Do you feel that way or do you feel like you and some others have really been able to shift the perception of how, how others view Rochester right now? Well, we, it's Rochester as a whole, we've always felt like that. Somehow we're kind of like the black sheep. But what they won't tell you is that we are also the gatekeepers. We also presented a lot of people we are you know held accountable for a lot of people a lot of things um that's neither here nor there but um i i i as of now i'd like to say that um it's a little different now the table's turned rochester's getting their just due not just me and spesh but as a whole you know we got pounds and we got these these artists that are making noise as well and not just rap either you know we got these football players and there's a lot going on they're starting to catch wind now so that's a good thing but yes it's, it's always been like that no doubt but but it's great that you know you're seeing that 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 impact and the perception shifting too and you got to work with bumpy knuckles on new new york which was you know you know, just an incredible song, but I would imagine working with someone like him was, you know, kind of a highlight. Like, how'd you approach doing a song with somebody like Freddie Fox? You know how that came. We did a podcast. What was it called? It's an upstate podcast. I want to. I don't want to say this because I might be wrong. I believe it's called Lock In Podcast. It has to do with prison prisoners, <coughs> and. Did the podcast 
the guy we did the podcast with <coughs> came with that with that bumpy knuckle request. And that's all he had to do. I said, what are you kidding me? A fucking writer was going to do the record with him. He sent the record, and that was it. That's how that panned out. It was the easiest, most sudden request. And I, and it was kind of like, wow, this is crazy. This guy's reaching out for me to get fucking Freddie Fox in first. And yeah, man, Freddie Fox caught wind, shouted me out. He loved it. We got granted to put it on the tape, and there you go. So shout out to the podcast. I'll, I'll, I'll get the name of the podcast and homie, and I'll give it to you down the line sometime so we can give him his proper credit. For sure, yeah. That That's awesome, man. And, and, you know, taking this song like Three Card Molly, you know, you got RJ Payne and Jay Hood on there, you know, how, how do you how do you approach a, a collaboration like that where you know that it's that friendly competition like everyone's trying to have that best verse you know how, how do you how do you write how do you prepare for a song and and lay it down you know like three card molly all right now that's pretty cool um rj Payne, i reached out solely we have multiple records but he reached out to me i gotcha i gotcha so it's the same treatment uh, I don't follow that. Uh, you support me, I support you thing. I never bought that, but we have this thing, me and RJ, like we just call each other anytime. Jay Hood on the other hand, that's a pal of mine. If you remember, that's a pal of mine since, wow, since he was with D-Block. Me and Jay Hood has a record we did, man, probably 08, give or take. So that was that was just me and Jay Hood just we we just we just been pals for a long time. But the way that came about, Jay excuse me, Jay Hood wasn't supposed to be on that record. But I failed to deliver on one of his records. So I said, you know what, I'm gonna just take this verse, put it on here. And I still just hold on, baby. But I still gave him um his verse, of course. But that panned out nice because that Jay Hood verse was for something else. And um, I hit Jay Hood like, yo, I'm going to just put this on the R.J. Payne joint. You know, boom, boom. And he was with it. So that's how that worked out. But shout out to Jay Hood because we have been having history since the about, yeah, mid-thousands. That's about 08. Yep, we got it. We did our first record in Rochester. I produced the beat on the spot, and it was dope, man. It was dope. Shout out to Jay Hook. And and you and Jay Hood, you guys go back to the days like when you were both working with DJ Diggs too, right? Oh yeah, that's that's exactly around that time. I got with Jay Hood. We booked. We booked. Um, sit down, please. I'm on the phone. Okay. We booked D-Block the lock one time, and we just took advantage when he was in town. We wanted to get with Styles first, but he wanted too much. I think he wanted like $7,500. We caught Jay Hood for fucking little of nothing. And uh, we just took advantage. Ever since, though, we, we've done um, records throughout the years, but Jay Hood has been inactive. He's back, though. He's starting to work again. He's got a couple books out himself. Man, it's good to see, man. It's good to see. And, you know, DJ Diggs, rest in peace. You know, he had, 
a ton of important, you know, mixtapes and moves he made to really help artists, you know, especially oh, yes, back in the, the mid 2000s and, and beyond. I mean, how do you see Diggs's impact today? Today? Well, I'm not sure if you know, but rest in peace, Diggs. Um, DJ Diggs passed uh, two seasons ago. He, he, he passed um, due to overdose. God bless him. He was heavy in the drugs. I used to call him and tell him, hey, man, pipe it down, you know. Uh, I haven't spoken to DJ Rated R so long. Rest in peace, DJ Blazita as well. I had one, one project I put out titled uh, Pyrex Dialect. All three of them hosted it. Mm. DJ Dick, DJ Rated R, DJ Blazita. So rest in peace, Diggs and um, Blazita. But I met Diggs. On MySpace, man, potent product. It was, we had this little thing going on. On Pacino, shout out to him. Sean Perry. Uh, who else? Uh, my guy from Harlem there. He was he was down with potent product. He just came home. Uh, forgot his name, but yeah, man, Diggs Diggs was very important piece in this in this mixtape hip-hop thing man for sure man yeah he's a good dude man um really sad story yeah man you know, and, and uh gotta ask you too you know like when you think about those classic mixtapes you know whether it's a case lay you know another rest in peace right there to case lay um you know the the last tracks are always reserved for kind of those new up-and-coming artists um, you know, like Case Lay used to have the shark on, you know, a lot of his mixtapes as, as that last track. You got Boo Boo the Prince on at the end. Who is he? Yeah. Um, and what's his story? Boo Boo the Prince is the, is the sole controller on the West, man. New crack era, man. He has governs his own branch out there. Um, great, great pal of mine. Whenever I'm out West, I'm in the best hands ever. Shout out to Boo Boo, man. So, yeah, it's safe to say he is uh, the champ over there out west, the new crack era west. That's awesome, man. And, and I wanted to ask you, you know, it's been a couple of years since we've done an interview, but how has new crack era grown since the last time we talked? Excuse me, one more time. I said it, it, It's been a couple of years since we talked, uh, you know, for an interview. And I know you've been making a lot of moves. How has New Crack Era grown since the last time we talked? Oh, man. I mean, despite the, the legals, you know, we went through trouble. That's a couple of cease and desist from New Era. So we, you know, got to the bottom of it. So we finally got our LLC and our legals up. So safe to say that New Crack Era was on ice for shit the past year. Um... But glad to say, we got all our legals together, new crack era, back officially now, you know, in the business, stamped. And that's, that's the best part. So, new crack era is on the way to becoming this, this corporate thing, you know, it's, it's growing. And we're learning, you know, we're still students, you know, we're releasing Jay Black's album, First Flight. Um, yeah, man. So, yeah, we're back in shape. That's great to hear. And 
another thing about the new New York mixtape going back to there, man, is you got Duop on there as an MC as well, and he's a great MC. Like he's been putting it down on the mic for a while. He, uh, me, and him even collaborated on track maybe like 10, 10 11 years ago. Um, oh. So I don't think a lot of people know though. Like if it, unless they know, you know, um, and they're really into it, how good Duop is as an MC as well. Yeah. Well, I, I mean. Again, you know, I'm 40. <laughs> I'm 40, you know. I don't expect these new digital age era punks to know. Um, but if they do, then they know. Um, with that being said, I just scored um, the Diaz brothers is coming back out. You know, Tony Touch and Doo-Wop. Mm. I scored some placements on there. Got some production coming on there. Um... So man, I should be. I hope. I would hope that they know this fucker could wrap circles around these guys. Yeah, yeah. He's an awesome spitter. <coughs> Tony Touch. <coughs> Those guys are vicious. Yes, <coughs> brothers, man, it's back. And, um, man, you know, score. The man reaching out himself. Yo, he told me, yo, me and Tony were back and sent me some beats. So, you know, yeah, man. Feel good. Man, can't wait to hear that, man. And, you know, the other thing, man, you got that classic mixtape design with the track list on the right side, you know, the picture on the left. Like, how important was yeah. it to have that classic vibe? Because, I mean, I have not seen anything new come out with that design. Like, that definitely took me back to, like, 2000, yeah. you know, the, the 2000s, late 90s, seeing that, that design, man. I mean, you know, how important was it to have that? And that, and that, that was the whole point. That's what I stressed to do out there. And, and, and my team over here, I was like, you know, this is exactly how I wanted. You know, it has to be like this the way it used to be. The track list on the front, on the side, the old school looking covers, the, the, the blends, the mix, everything has to be exactly how it was. No mixing on the songs. Just science to sound rugged, and it wasn't exactly worked out and panned out the way I, I, I requested. Man, that's, that that's great. So, um, do you have plans to do more mixtapes in the future? Like, do you see that being something that you know you're going to continue, or do you see yourself sticking more oh, yeah. EPs and albums? Oh yes, no, no. I'm gonna make it a point to to again to keep that realm alive, it, 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 even with the artwork. You know, I'm I'm not really too hip on these guys using these saints and these religious figures and you know just just bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Um, we dropped Dead Poets this year. Shout out to Future Wave. That was my first release of the year. We dropped Top of the Year. I want to say January, February. Um, and that that artwork there blew my mind. That that was something that I haven't seen in a while. It was very dope. Um, the album, did you catch that beat? Yeah, man, that, that that was my next questions for you. Yeah, man, talk talk about that, man. I'd love love to hear more about it. That poet, when Future Wave reached out to doing this album, I agreed on it. And we worked out the business and, and then he sent me beats. And then one night, I already had like probably two, three songs in already. But one night, one beat, took me to a different direction and I just somehow 
in the beginning gave him somewhat of a spoken word type intro, and, it, and it, it just, I was like, man, you know, it's just crazy. And on the next one, I did it again. And I, again, I don't know. I think I just kind of followed it because the way it came the first time was unexpected. Was I didn't plan on it. So yeah, that's how that worked out. It it was just a vibe that I caught one night and said, you know what? I'm gonna run with this whole concept. I'm gonna do dead poets and sprinkle a bit of spoken word on every other song or so. And that's how it worked out. It, it panned out great. No, I love that. I f- I feel like you know we saw your range increase with with Dead Poet Society. I mean, how how did that stretch you? looking at spoken word versus songs and, and thinking about that, that balance and, and that blend. Well, th- what I learned was that spoken word isn't, it's, 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 a te- it's like uh, when you do it freely, not knowing it's one thing, but when you know that, okay, I'm going to do some spoken word shit, it's not as easy as you think. So, which is why we got to praise the poets because it's a different format and way they go about it that I studied. And so praise the poets, man. That shit is a different realm. It's a different approach, different delivery. So I took praise to that. And, and I'm going to um, actually do, because uh, we have our shop down here now. And we just got our permission stuff to do venues. And I'm going to do a spoken word night. You know, once out the week, dedicated to deaf poets, perform some songs every time. Have some poets in the building. You can only get coffee, hot cocoa, no alcohol beverages, tea, shit like that. And I love it, man. That that that's amazing. And and, and developing that appreciation for the spoken word piece and seeing how different it is. It, it, that's a that's a really cool takeaway from from that. Yeah. Too. Yeah, man. So it, it was it was um, an experiment slash uh, adventure for me. And and how would you say to like working with someone like Future Wave is different from working with someone like V Don? You know, how, how do you see like the does the collaborative process look different? You know, based on the producer. Well, a bit because V Don knows me in and out. He knows how stubborn I am. He knows. What I love, he knows that hey, maybe he will like this one, let's see. But he knows that I don't like that shit. He, he knows me very well. So that's why it's a lot easier. But Future Wave, he's a producer, so he's sending all type of shit. And by now, I'm sure he knows what I like. But it was just uh, somewhat of a task for me just trying to find my niche through him, you know, and it would just have to keep sending. Uh, he sent about three folders, and we finally, I finally just picked them once, man, and it worked out awesome. No, it, it definitely did. I mean, when you look at that, how did, I guess, what were you listening for? Like, what, what kind of beats did you want? You know, because, I mean, I'm sure, you know, he sends you three folders. There's a ton of great beats in, in each one, you know. What, what, decide, what was like a, your deciding factor to say like this is going on the album or you know this is this is better for somebody else well that's the thing is that that was the problem is that i didn't hear none that 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 told me that this is going on the album so it took a few folders 
um, which is cool. I mean, because I would love for any artist that I'm working with to, to disagree. I don't want you to say, oh, it's Ethar. No, you can't work if you're not going to tell me. So I want something down this line or this line, because I'll send a folder, but you can't disagree. So I'm very strict on that, very big on that. But Future Wave now, I'm sure he knows his sound is ain't no different from v Dawn's. But v Dawn, the difference is that he knows me very well. So that's pretty much it. How do you enjoy looking at, you know, doing albums with a variety of producers versus locking in with somebody like a V-Don or a Future Wave for an entire project? Like, do you have a preference there? Oh, man, you know what? It's, it's bittersweet because, like, uh, for example... Thank you, baby. For example, you get these producers who reach out who heard me on Muggs' album, for example. And then, man, you know, it sucks big time. They send you the bullshit, but... So, safe to say, I'm not doing those no more. It'd have to be a V-Dawn, a future wave. I'm not just gonna run with this guy who heard as if Van is to reach out and say, oh, I'm gonna get it. No, I'm very strict and it's not happening no more. Those days are done. So it would have to be a V-Don. It can't be one of those guys. No disrespect. But only because as well as because I get paid. He sells it any way he wants to. I have no control over it. So those days are done. I'd like to have my say-so no matter what. So those days of me just saying, oh, I could get a quick $10,000 is done. You know, so... I just finished uh, Integrity Part 2 with Body Back Band. And that was through a mutual friend, because otherwise I wouldn't have done that either, because I'm not big on the production, and I feel like I shouldn't have to force it or have to like it. Right. So that's where I stand on that run. Those runs are done. No more Eto albums produced by someone in full. It's over. What, what, what made you say say this is it how how did you come to that decision well because first and foremost is because i have no control no say so once we do this i'm pretty much cashing out and that's it however i do have a a, a, a proposal they have to stand on and that's to, to fill me in on the back the digital you know whatever you do with the records the vinyl i don't have nothing how they sell it this or whatever just cut me in on the on the streams and we're good so but yeah those days are done like i said i i learned that when um i seen a guy i sold the album to sell it four different ways acapellas instrumentals remixes the album and then i'm getting strikes because somebody you know, shit that I have no control over, but it's my album, so, you know, a lot of legal stuff comes with that. Mm. I learned my lesson that if we're going to do this and you are catching, of course, paperwork, but for the most part, we did all of this with no paperwork. We just cashed me out my ten, twelve thousand, 12000 and it's yours. And 
now I know the importance of that because I always looked at it as as long as I'm not in this position where I need to worry, and I don't have to, it's when we need to worry the most. Right. So that when we do get to that position, we're already set, you know, up to power on the legals and protected. And But now, yeah, now I, I just know the importance of owning up, manning, and having control now. And, and, and the ball in my hand and not just allowing anybody to bounce my ball and call the shots, you know? So that's what I learned. The most important thing I've learned throughout all of this whole time was simply that this year, and I kind of knew that, but sometimes, you know, we just want the money. And, you know, a lot of these artists won't tell you that, but it's true. And I know the importance of um, how 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 much you your worth. Yeah. And not the money. Jojo Pellegrino came on the podcast recently, and he had just gotten back from Rochester, and you know, gave you props that he's really impressed by both your music and your hustle. Um, you know, what does it mean to get props from someone like JJP, and what were you guys up to? It means a lot to me. You know, you gotta understand that my guys from around here only only a few, and when I say a few, I mean a couple are familiar with that time. You know, a lot of my older guys, like, you know, I came up, I came up around older guys, or then there's guys my age who only, but then there's guys my age who know me very, who doesn't know about Pelletrino. So nobody really knew. Nobody knew about Pelletrino. And I'm like, you motherfuckers don't know about JoJo. What the fuck you guys? Well, only a couple of my guys did. But it meant a lot to me. It means a lot to me because that's that realm I came with. You know, that's my realm. So it was a great gathering. We also drove to Staten Island and recorded with him over there. Um, I shot the video with Ray Corn over there. That's coming. That's coming soon, too. I got all three videos shot. One with Tony Ayo tonight, Ray following up with Ray Kwan, and then we'll end it with Corrupt. Or maybe I'll do the Corrupt one in a second, not sure. But yeah, Pelly, you know, we did business with Pelly as well. He's got his Pelly pens in our smoke shop. Um, yeah, that's my boy. Shout out to Pelly. No doubt, man. And and what was it like opening a smoke shop, man? I mean, in, in today's markets, too, like just, you know, how hard it is you know, to turn a to turn a profit, you know, in the weed business, you know, what's your approach so that you're not one of those stories that's like, you know, part of the percentages that aren't turning a profit or, you know, and that you have that lasting power there with exotic roots. Yeah. Well, our shop's a little different. We specialize in selling hydroponic hydroponic supplies for growers. Mm. You know, we sell those and we and we have a bunch of art. Um we also have classes teach you how to grow a bunch of lighting systems and shit like that. We have music classes, bass players. We have um, our exotic roots lounges now, an actual lounge where you can uh, sign up monthly, a membership to come smoke and joke, play arcades. You can also book space for birthdays and what have you. So we're really piping down from the weed business because everybody's fucked it up again. Same with the rap shit. Everybody just wants to 
overdo it and do it, you know, the same shit. Which is why we're not in a rush and you know, too excited these days to play with any of these fucking guys. You know what I'm saying? I make sure when I land, it, it, it stands. I'm not coming to beat in and out, drop, they hear it, and then that's it. I'm not doing that. I'm coming to, I've come to stick around. That's why I'm still here. Nobody takes pride in their work no more. They just want to get paid and laid. It doesn't work like that. No, that 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 makes that makes a lot of sense, man. I mean, it's it's cool seeing too all the different moves you're making musically and and business wise too, man. And you know, must have what was it now? About a year and a half ago, we released. Um, our first book, you know, Missing Link to the Cuban, a breakdown of 10 of your songs, as well as like some, you know, yeah. d- just some deep thoughts about what others had about working with you and you as an artist. You know, when you think about about that book, you know, how did that book help, you know, others get a sense of who you are? And, um, you know, what are you thinking in terms of a second book and, and, and kind of exploring that that lane a little bit more? Man, it, it, I'm speaking on behalf of Rochester. It was a success, you know. Um, I feel like people online didn't grasp it as, as much as they should have. I feel like with this one, it definitely raised more awareness now because now, like, the demand is at all-time high. They're waiting on me. It's perfect time. I want to do it again for sure. Yeah. You know, put them online, whatever we got to do. But I feel like this time it'll make more sense. Yeah, no doubt, man. So a lot of lot of big things in the works, man. So, you know, King's Highway is, is coming um, in October, man. The, the Yale video dropping, um, you know, right now. Tonight. Yes, um, yes. What's it been I'm like, man, gonna... you know, tracking down and working I'm with guys like Yayo and Raekwon and them? Man, it's it's it, it's so amazing, man. Because you gotta, you know, you gotta. What I tell these guys, you gotta know, man. That a lot of these guys that I deal with, I transition. You know, I brought them to the studio. You know, um, these are the guys we were listening to. So that shit means everything. You know, I'm not really into these. You know, I got, you know, God bless Buffalo Conway. He's the most genuine. He's one of the smoothest guys out. We got two records the world don't know about yet. That's how important it is to me is that you don't need to know yet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? These guys just want to, I don't know what it is. But we grew up listening to these guys, man. You know, corrupt, my God. You know, I said, all right, well. I'm going to get a feature with Ray Kwan because he's one of my all-time greats. And Yayo, only because Lloyd Banks shot me down. I sent him beats. He had yet to get on. He never gets on Boom Boom. 52 months. I'm going to get hurt one way. So I play chess as well. Uh, the Yayo thing came about when he was in town as well. Because I could look at it that way. I could say, oh, if I get with this guy, I could get through this. No, those days are over. I'm literally shooting for guys that I grew up loving listening to. And Corrupt's one of Snoop Dogg's albums. You know, Doggy, Dog World, Doggy Style. Um, fucking Raekwon. 
Now I got AZ. Oh, man. Come on, man. Got AZ. Nas is my number one, by the way. And AZ ain't too far from it. So that's, that's what means so much to me, man. Got a guy that I, I played. It's a beautiful feeling. Man, that's that's incredible, man. So King's King's Highway is is, is um, coming October thirteenth. But in the meantime, man, we got that new New York mixtape. You got Dead Poet Society, and t- you know tons of stuff to keep people busy, man, until October, right? Yes, yes. And we also got my brother Jay Black first flight coming, producing Tyler by me. We got Integrity Two, produced by. Um, Body Bag Ben in full, featuring Rick Hyde, featuring Daniel Son. That comes first week of October. Um, Jay Black's first flight has come about the same time. I'm going to shoot for mid-September. I told him we got to start pushing right now because he has all his videos and shit done too. And I don't want dates to clash. So... Um, what up? Oh, I'm producing Corey Guns and Nice to Future's new album in full. We're about five tracks in on that. Shout out to Corey Guns, my brother Nice to Future. Um, yeah, man. Okay. Yeah, man. Bunch of shit, man. Bunch of stuff. 